0: We started a series um, last week on the gospel according to Dr. Seuss. Whoa, I know that's really wild, isn't it? That's, That's almost... That's that's out there. But now he has some good good thoughts and good sayings. And so perhaps many of you have seen those things, read those things. And we're taking them and taking a look and seeing how practical they are in our life and what the Word of God has to say about it. If it doesn't line up with the Word of God, then we don't want to have anything to do with it. But we know these things are are encouraging us and telling us some ways that we need to develop as believers. (laughs) Some areas in our life that we need to develop to be more like Christ. To be an example of Jesus to the world that we live in. Dr. Seuss, in the writing of the Lorax, he says, unless someone like you cares a whole awful lot, nothing is going to get better. It's not. Now think about it. Let me read it to you again. Unless someone like you cares a whole awful lot, nothing is going to get better. It's not. You know, it all depends upon each one of us. How much do you care? Do you really care? Do you care enough to get involved? Do you care enough to uh, seek the Lord and ask him what you need to do? What can you do in your life? Now, a lot of times we associate serving the Lord just with the facility of the church or, or certain church activity. But I want to tell you something. This is just the field. This is just the base of operation. When we walk out those doors, that's the field of labor. We just come together, you know, a couple times a week in a huddle and to have kind of a a pep talk in a sense to get us encouraged and maybe go over uh, the directions that that, uh, the Lord has given to us on what we can do and how we can be equipped to go out then and to be the light of the world and let our light shine. And uh, so that's what we're to do. It's the people that we come in contact with. You see, when, you know, you can go into all the world, when you walk out those doors, you're going to enter into a portion of the world that, Somebody else won't walk in. You're going to meet people. You're going to come in contact with certain people that nobody else will come in contact with. So, therefore, it's your responsibility to be a light in that particular area. Open your Bibles or your, your smartphones or whatever it is that you have your, your Bible program on to Galatians chapter 6. Let's hear what the Apostle Paul had to say to the Galatians and, uh, in encouraging them to be concerned, to get involved, to get involved. Galatians chapter 6, verse 9. He says, let us not become weary in doing good. For at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Verse 10. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially those who, are, who belong to the family of believers. There's your exhortation. Don't become weary in well-doing and doing good things. Sometimes you think, oh, well, nobody cares. I did this, and nobody even cares. Nobody even noticed. Well, of course, that's the way it's going to feel back to us. Maybe we don't see the appreciation. We don't get to experience it. But yet, who were you doing it for? You ought to be doing it for the Lord and for yourself in a sense that that's what you're able to do. And so he says don't grow weary in well-doing and are doing good. So that tells us, first of all, that there is going to come a time when you're going to feel weary when you're doing good. Okay? So if you're feeling weary and you've been doing some things, some good things and helping and, and caring about people, and now you're feeling like, well, is, was it even worth it? Then you're normal. That's what happens, okay? So he says, let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time, now that's the, the big open question right there the proper time what time the proper time when does that happen we don't know it it happens at the proper time that's not necessarily our time it's not it's never our time but it's his time so at the proper time everybody say proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up you know, I think sometimes we're, we're out doing, we're helping, we're caring, we're concerned, and we're doing those things that we need to be doing. And then we, all of a sudden we feel like, well, is it worth it? Nobody even cares. And what's happening? We're giving ourselves not a pep talk. We're You know, we're listening to all those negative things. And we stop and we fall short. We give up before we get a chance to reap the harvest of what we did. So he says, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, as we have opportunity... Let us do good to all people. It's an opportunity to do something good for people around you. And he says, and especially to those who belong to the family of believers, especially those that, that you're, you're with here in, in this body of believers, uh, those that, that uh, we fellowship with, especially them, that's who we need to be looking around for us, uh, as well. And then maybe together, if you're helping somebody in the body of believers in the church, then maybe you, you two together can help somebody else. Let me give you a statement and see if you agree or disagree God cares for people through people what do you think you think that's true sure it is in fact the scripture we just read there in Galatians is telling us he says you know uh, don't become weary in doing good and then at the end of verse 10 he says let us do good to all people especially those who are in the body of believers so he's telling us that really God's God cares for people through people Now, if that's the case, there's no higher calling on the face of the earth than to be used by God to care for somebody. But what does that involve? That's the big question. What does that involve? How do I go about doing that? At Light Christian Center, we have this little slogan, and you see it a lot of times when the logo comes up. It says, people touching people. That's what Light Christian Center is all about. When I was praying, asking God, God... As, as this congregation grows and develops, what do you want to happen? What type of people do you want this to be? And he says, people touching people. Now, that doesn't just mean that you go out and you <laughs> touch people, but, you know, to have an impact on people. What does it mean to touch somebody? You know, if you'll say something happens, you say, oh, I was really touched by that when somebody did something for you. In fact, the definition of tup, touch is to have an effect on. You have an effect on someone. I know sometimes you say, man, they touched me. (laughs) Maybe it was an effect that it wasn't a good effect or whatever. But we're to have a positive effect on people. People touching people, caring, doing something good for somebody. It also means to to come into contact with, to connect with somebody right where they are. You see them in that situation, that circumstance, maybe in their, their, their difficulty, their challenge, and you connect with them right where they are. But why don't we? Because a lot of times we don't want to get involved, right? Oh, that take too much energy to do that. Another thing about this definition of touch, it says to produce feelings of affection, gratitude, or sympathy. Produce, produce feelings of affection, gratitude, or sympathy. You know, that you touch, that you're, you know, that you really... Um, when you touch somebody, that, that produces a gratitude within them. Or they're really, they're really affected by what you've done. And they see the compassion of the Lord Jesus Christ working through you. That's amazing. See, that's the, great, the highest calling that we can have in our life is the compassion of Jesus Christ shining through us to other people around us. And if everybody did something, then all of us would accomplish a whole lot more. I want us to do a little acrostic today because I really want you to remember this. I probably won't ever be able to preach this sermon again because you're going re- to remember this forever. We're going to spell out touch today, I and mean, we're going to expand it. We're going to make an acrostic out of this so that in each one of these letters, it expresses it, defines what it means to be people touching people, to touch someone, to affect their life, to be as, as Dr. Seuss says. He says, unless someone like you cares a whole awful lot, nothing is going to be better. It's not. We want to make things better. So the first thing, in fact, you can, if, you, if you're writing down with pencil or ink pen or whatever, you can make your little acrostic with with uh, touch. T O U C H. Okay, and then what would you fill in? How about the T? What would you think would express this thing about if you're going to touch someone? Well, my thought came up with thoughtfulness. Thoughtfulness. That means a showing of thought for the comfort or well-being of others. By anticipating their needs or wishes, if I'm thoughtful, and I'm and I'm seeing Jeff or I'm aware of some situations, and I see that he's uh, got certain needs or certain things that, that he's going through, well, thoughtfulness then would would say, you know what, I want to help him in that particular area. I, I want to be observing of that. I I uh, and so it, really, what it is it, it, when you boil it all down is kindness. So we show we have to show that thoughtfulness. It's not enough just to. To think it, it's a. It's what, it goes beyond that and really getting involved. So it's kindness in its purest form. Uh, Dr. Seuss says, think left and think right and think low and think high. Oh, the thinks you can think up if you only try. We need to just start, we need to say, Lord, help me be thoughtful. Let me think about what can I do to help this person. We need to look around in our life and see who can we touch. Who is the person that maybe God has brought into our life that he wants us to touch them with with Uh, his compassion, his love, and, and, and who he is. How can we do that? And so we need to think about it and think what you can do for that person. Be thoughtful. Paul told Titus, that uh, when Titus, as a pastor there, he was uh, giving Titus some instruction on how to develop people and, how, and what to, uh, to, to train them up. And, and he was saying that uh, train up these people in Titus chapter 3, verse 2 to slander no one, to be peaceful, peaceable, and considerate, and to show true humility towards all men. Thoughtfulness is kind, it's attentive. It's, uh, and one person said, kindness is love's touch being kind one to another, being thoughtful, seeing them, and, and you know what, not just like, okay, passing by, and I'm and when we're only thinking of ourselves, then we never see the needs of other people around, right? We're always seeing maybe what needs we have, and why isn't somebody taking care of my needs? We want other people to be thoughtful, but we don't want to be thoughtful. Well, if we're going to touch someone, if we're going to affect their life, if we're going to help them uh, to become who they need to be, then we need to be thoughtful. For the O, I put... Or does anybody have any suggestions for obedient? That's that's a good one. That would work very well. What I put was observing. To define the word observing, it means having knowledge of something through alertness. Having knowledge of something through alertness in observing or in interpreting what one sees, hears, feels, etc. Observing. So we we need to be alert to those around us. It's no accident that God has put you where you are. He's put you in a situation, circumstances, and around certain people that uh, you need to observe to see what can you do. How can I be a witness for the Lord Jesus Christ right here? Again, you see, this is not the field of labor here in, at, in this facility. It's when we walk out those doors. That's who we come in contact with. That's where the Lord has placed us, on the job, in our family, in our neighborhood, in our community. Wow. On Facebook, on what, all these things, Amen. And so we need to be observing who is around me. What's, what are they going through? What's happening in their life? We need to be watchful. We need to be alert, perceptive of what they're doing. I read this story. uh, It was about. uh, It was a a newspaper article about um, New Orleans, the municipal pool in New Orleans. This is back in the eighties. They, had, they went through a season, one year, and they had no drownings at all. No drownings at all. And it was the first time recorded in history that that had happened. So they had this big celebration at the city pool. And over 200 people were there. Over 100 certified life uh, lifeguards were there and they were celebrating this wonderful season, this wonderful year that they'd had, that no one had drowned. When the party was over, the four official lifeguards that were kinda on duty that day, they, as they were noticing up so if they looked in, in the deep end there was a a body, fully clothed body in the, in the deep end of the pool. A 31 year old man had somehow or another fallen into the pool with 200 people around, over 100 lifeguards there around that pool, fell in the water and drowned and nobody Noticed it. How many people are drowning around us and we don't even know it? Amazing. Amazing. Here they were celebrating their wonderful season of, you know, their their clean record of nobody drowning in their pool. And on that celebration with all the lifeguards and everybody there, that's when it happened. People, we come to church, we gather and we celebrate, we have our little party, and people are drowning right here. And we don't even observe it. You wanna to touch somebody's life? Be observant. There are people that are drowning in their circumstances and the situations all around us right now, here, right around you. Can we ask the Holy Spirit to help us to be more discerning and to observe? See, sometimes we pick up on those little things, but we kinda of shut them down because we don't wanna, wanna, Step over into that. We don't want to jump into the water and, and rescue. We got other things to do. We want to, we got to go to the party. <laughs> we got to eat some cake. We got to drink some punch. We got to celebrate. I don't have time to get wet. I don't have time to get into the, their mess. And we pick up on it just a little bit, but we shut it off. Hello, come on now. It's getting real quiet in this Presbyterian church today. <laughs> you know, we need to be observing. You want to touch somebody let the Holy Spirit when you pick up on that and it's just that one little step how you doing how you really doing what can I do to help see they need people around us you need somebody to touch you but you know a lot of times it's, it happens when we begin to give ourselves maybe you have grown weary and doing good and you've just given up boy that's a time when you're it's very risky very risky T-O-U. Understanding. Think about it. How can you touch someone? By being understanding. What does that mean? Sympathetic awareness of other people's feelings. Sympathetic awareness of other people's feelings. A lot of times we don't want to do that, do we? Again, it's the same old thing. We just don't want to exert the effort and the energy It's like, I got enough problems of my own. I don't need to take on their problems. Paul wrote to the Romans in chapter 12, verse 15 of of Romans, he says, Rejoice uh, with those who rejoice and mourn with those who mourn. How are you going to do that if you don't understand what they're going through? You don't understand if it's a time to rejoice. You don't want to rejoice when somebody's in a a state of mourning. That's really rude, I'll tell you. Have you ever done that? Have you ever been going through a really big problem, and somebody comes up, and they're going to try to really be spiritual and help you and exhort you, and it's totally wrong. <laughs> you know, it's like, okay, I don't really feel like rejoicing right now. I just, uh, you know, I'm hurting. I'm hurting. And sometimes it's not a matter of what we say. It's just that, that seem almost like that arm around that person, and just to weep with those who weep. Solomon, accredited to be the wisest man ever was, he said there's a time for everything. There's a time to laugh, there's a time to cry. And so we got to understand what they're going through. If you really want to affect somebody, if you really want to touch somebody, when you understand what they're going through, man, they feel that, they sense that, and they think, hey, I'm not alone. I would have never known... What it was like to lay in a hospital bed and, and to be in a hospital in various situations. If I hadn't gone through some of the things I've gone through, I've asked the Lord a lot of times, Lord, what's the deal here? You know, I haven't had any, as far as heart trouble and diabetes or those type of things, but I've had a lot of joint problems, issues, as some of you know. And, but by being there, you know what, it made me more compassionate for people that go in. I remember I had to have uh, surgery on my jaw when I was about. Um, it's 26 years old. Had this jaw wired shut, got down, everything. I went in. I was, I'd run each day. I'd run about four or five miles. I was in pretty good shape. I felt real good. Man, I'm healthy. 27 years old. You know, go into the hospital, and I had this surgery, and it's not heart surgery. It's not anything like that. It's just jaw surgery, and I wake up from that thing feeling, wow, boom. I'm like, whoa. I'm thinking. What in the world? When a little eighty-year-old woman comes in to have surgery, and and what's the impact on the, on her body? I want to tell you something. I became a whole lot more sympathetic because sometimes we just say, "Oh, well, I'll pray for you," and we do want to pray for them. But when you pray sympathetically, when you pray with understanding, it makes a big difference. We were in Africa, and I had preached, and at the end there was was. Uh, Following the the leading of the Holy Spirit, and gave an invitation, and the Lord really impressed upon me to pray for people who had pain in their hip. And I had had a my I've got had both hips replaced. And I know what it's like to have pain in your hip, and I began to feel that. And I thought, well, there's not anybody here probably like that. And I mean, of course, the whole place was packed. And I want to tell you, when I said, is there anyone here that's having some extreme pain in their hip? And I mean about Fifty hands went up and I go, oh my goodness. And I thought, well, the Holy Spirit's right. And you know, I began to understand then there, I, I had an understanding. I was sympathetically involved with those people. And so I asked them to come forward to pray. And I want to tell you something, my prayer was different. Because I prayed with an understanding. Because I thought, you know, I was in Houston, Texas. I had a hip replacement in the Methodist hospital with the, the, one of the best surgeons around that's written articles on that. I've had access to that. And the Lord even helped beyond on that. But these people, there's not a hospital here for them to go to. There's no one like that. Lord, if you don't touch them, who will? Wow. And I want to tell you something. When you see the power of God coming over someone and him helping them touching them wow that's cool but see I prayed differently because I prayed with an understanding and so if you want to touch someone have an understanding of what they're going through try to get involved with with where they are don't just think about yourself or like well you just need to just straighten up like wait a minute what would I do in a situation like that what can I do to help this person I need to be understanding of what they're going through I need to rejoice with those who rejoice, but I need to mourn with those who mourn. First Peter 3.8 says, "Finally, all of you live in harmony with one another. Be sympathetic. Be sympathetic." Most Christians are just pathetic. They're not sympathetic. <laughs> I mean, we don't think about being sympathetic too much, do we? Because we're going to what? What are we going to do? We're going to like we got to shake them out of that. We can't acknowledge that a person's having a tough, a tough time. If I, if I acknowledge it then that means it's going to be real get a hold of it it's real right now <laughs> like one person said oh you know don't say you're sick because then you're gonna be wait a minute jesus brought people to him were sick and he asked them, what's wrong with you and they would tell him he's okay so if you don't admit where you are you'll never get out where you need to go and we need to be sympathetic in the situ- in the sense of where we have that understanding of what they're going through People don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. When the hurricane came in 2007, we were down in a little area off of Highway 6 called Freddy'sville. I mean, you know where that is. And we were over there, and we were cutting trees removing trees and all this stuff, and, and got to noticing off of this one house of this area there, it was in this chain fence, there was a... A man there, he's probably maybe 40 ish or something like that, and he was working by himself and whatever. And I, Did you go over to him and ask? Sandy went over to him and said, uh, You know, we're over here, you know, moving trees and stuff. Can we come and help you? He, uh, ah, yeah, you know, something. I don't know what it was. He was really discouraged. I mean, of course, you know, the, the storm was pretty, very discouraging. Now he, you know, and, and didn't figure anybody really cared enough about him, basically, what it was to help him. And so Sandy came over and she told, she said, I know we've got a lot of stuff going on here, but this guy really needs some help. And we looked over, this huge tree had fallen down right towards his house and everything. So we, come on, let's go. And about eight of us, we went over there and grabbed all the chainsaws. Man, we had that thing chopped up and stacked and everything else. And so at the end, I said, can we pray with you? Now, see, I, a lot of times I, I feel like that sometimes I need to earn the right to pray with somebody. He said, What? Again, people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. And so we'd shown him how much we cared. We come, So we're, we're, we gathered kind of around, and we wanted to make sure, first of all, that he was a, a Christian. We witnessed to him, gave him a Bible. And uh, as we were talking, he says, well, you know, uh, and we had these, I think, shirts on. Maybe that was Samaritan purse at the time. Yeah, we did. We had Samaritan purse on before Black like, Christian Center started doing some things like that. And so he says, Something about it was pretty amazing, and he just couldn't believe that we'd come and help. He says, you know, he says, all these preachers always talking about doing something and going out and helping people, he says, and all these houses through there, he says, and I haven't seen one of them preachers come through here and help anybody like that. And right on the side, uh, one of our guys says, and I was holding the guy's hand when he was talking. He says, well, he's, a, he's our pastor, and the guy looks at me like, Uh (laughs) uh-oh. I said, yeah, of course, you know, sweating the whole hat on and it didn't look, you know, whatever. And, and he says, you are? I go, yeah. He goes, wow. Why are you doing this? I says, because it needs to be done because we can do it. Sometimes when you understand what it's like, I understand, you know, I would had a lot of trees blown down in my yard. If somebody hadn't come and help, help me at that particular time, wow, that would have been overwhelming. It's kind of like that thing about paying it forward, helping somebody else. There'll be a time when you're going to need some help as well. But understanding. And when you really understand that person's situation and you are willing to get involved with it, how many of you think that that really is touching somebody's life? Touching somebody's life. Be thoughtful. Be observant. Be understanding. And then for the C, I put compassionate. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 32, the apostle Paul writes, he says, be kind and compassionate to one another. Forgiving each other just as Christ, as in Christ God forgave you, compassionate. Did you know that the word that's used there in the Greek, one of the phrases as they try to explain how the Greek is trying to emphasize this, it, it's, it's kind of a, it's a couple of words together. And it's, it says, it means fellow feelings, fellow feelings, fellow feelings, huh? And in a sense, it's like having the same feelings as that fellow has. Feeling what he feels. Being compassionate. You know, that sympathetic, that sympathy kind of comes into that, this part of, as well. Uh, in Matthew twenty two thirty nine, 39, Jesus says, love your neighbor as yourself. Well, if you love your neighbor as yourself, then you're having fellow feelings. You're feeling what your fellow feels. I'll say that real fast. <laughs> love your neighbor as yourself. Well, do you love yourself? Do you make sure you got plenty of food? Do you make sure that, you know everything's all right in your life you're going to take care of yourself well if you love your neighbor as you love yourself then what what does that mean what does that mean to us and you know you got to be a little bit compassionate for that to really be expressed through your life if you're going to touch somebody be compassionate the bible says that when jesus he looked on them with compassion he saw them he saw the crowd and he looked with compassion and he healed them wow compassion Will really drive you you want to touch someone you know what and we're not stupid people aren't stupid they know whether you really care or not you can tell real compassion can't you sure real compassion be compassionate first Peter chapter 3 8 I read it in the other part but it applies here because it says finally all of you live in harmony with one another be sympathetic as we were talking about understanding love love as brothers be compassionate and humble be compassionate and humble. 1 John chapter 3.17 says, If anyone has material possessions and sees his brother in need, but has no pity on him, how can the love of God be in him? Dear children, let us not love with words or, or tongue, but with action and in truth. Boy, that says it right there. Compassion. Do you have it? Let me read that again. If anyone has material possessions and sees his brother in need but has no pity on him, you're not touched by that. How can the love of God be in him? How can you say that the love of God is in you when you can do your own thing and you see somebody else in need and you, can't, and you won't help that person in need? Peter goes, or John goes on to say, dear children, let us not love with words or tongue but with actions and in truth wow how many of you have ever experienced that type of love that type of compassion to, to you being given to you well i have when somebody saw a need see that's another thing we have a little buzz phrase around here see a need and meet it find a hurt and heal it that involves that being aware being you know observant as well as that compassion it moves through it's almost like a progression so to really touch people there has to be this we have to be thoughtful We've got to be observing. We've got to be understanding right there where they are. Get involved with that person. Understand what they're feeling. And then have some compassion to go do it. A lot of times, you know, we'll be moved by a person's situation, but we just don't take that next step and go ahead and, and do what needs to be done. For the last letter, for the H, what would you say? What would the H be in, in touch? I'm sorry? Humble, that's good, because that's what John said, you know, um, if you're going to show this, be sympathetic, do this uh, with truth and humility, so that's true, that touches somebody else. Helpful, that's what I put, helpful, because, I mean, think about it, again, you might be thoughtful, observing, understanding, even compassionate but, again, it comes through. You've got to see this thing done. Be helpful. What does that mean, though? Some people try to help. Or they talk about helping, but they really don't. We talk about uh, maybe how good of a Christian we are, how good we are. You know, we're like the scribes and Pharisees. This word helpful, it means to make it easier for a person to do something. You're going to help somebody. It should it should make it easier for that person to do that, n- not harder. I've had some people offer help, and I'm like, okay, look, you know, I could do better off if you weren't here. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> Come on now. <laughs> like, okay, whoa, you know, now we've got more work than we started with. Come on, if you're going to help somebody, help them out, you know. Don't go there to be a burden. Go there to, to be a blessing. Uh, it means to, to make it easier for a person to do something. It means to give aid to, to assist, to give something that's necessary Give some relief to, some money, etc., whatever it is that, that they need to help them out. Help them out at that particular time. Be helpful. That's how you can touch somebody's life. Turn, it, if you will, to Luke chapter 10, verses 30 through 37. This is a story that's very familiar to a lot of people. It's the, the story of the Good Samaritan. Many of you know that Jesus tells a story. He said there was a man that was, went down to Jericho. It was from Jerusalem to Jericho is down. It's all downhill from here. And and um, that road, we've been up around that road that comes. It's a real narrow and treacherous road in the mountains. And uh, the robbers would hang out there and they'd hide. And they would uh, prey on people as they would come. Beat them up, steal their money and stuff like that. And that's exactly what happened to this one guy. He was going down to, to Jericho and the thieves jumped out and robbed him and beat him and left him for dead. And it says that a priest came by. And he passed by on the other side. Oh, there's a lot of official religious people that come by and there's a need there, but they're going to pass by on the other side. But why? Because I can't get my hands dirty. You know, for a priest to help someone at that, he would, uh, he would be defiled. He'd have to go through certain things, ritual cleansing to go back into the t- temple and do what he needed to do. He didn't want to bother himself with that. So he passed by on the other side, and instead of Levi came by. You know they serve in the in the temple and do what's necessary. They build stuff, make stuff, serve, do whatever's necessary to help out. You know, so uh, here we go. You know, you here in the church, y'all, are, you're real helpful and you do all this stuff. But yet, when we go outside this door, oh, there's somebody that has a need. Wait a minute, i to go. I don't know them, and so we pass by on the other side. I want to tell you something. It's happening. Christians are walking around people that have needs every day. They're doing it. Not only those maybe with an official title, but those that are, you know, that that we're supposed to be helping in the church and doing what's necessary still pass by. But look in, in this verse here, in verse 33, but a Samaritan who wasn't regarded as a religious person. In fact, they even had some of their theology wrong. They didn't even know it right. You know, maybe that's the way you feel. I don't know all the principles of the Bible. I don't know it that well, but, you know, so I couldn't really do anything spiritual because I really don't know, I don't know that much about the Bible and stuff like that. Well, hey, the person that knew everything about it, the priest, he walked by on the other side. The Levi, who also knew all about the spiritual principles and stuff like that, he walked on the other side. But it says, but a Samaritan, As he traveled, came where the man was. And when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, took him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day he took out two silver coins and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said. And when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense that you may have had. On down in verse 37... Jesus says, go and do likewise. Helpful. You want to touch somebody? Well, you're not going to do it by passing by on the other side. We can talk about how much we love church and how much, and we're just such a good Christian. And we can talk about all that stuff about being a Christian. But I guarantee you, whenever you have opportunity to do good and you don't, somebody's watching you and said, oh, yeah, I thought they were supposed to be some Christian. Boy, that's what a Christian is. Who needs them? Hello? In case you don't know it, that's what the world usually says about most Christians. Well, they're so heavenly minded, they're no earthly good. You know, don't matter how high you jump and shout and turn about, all those kind of things, but it's how you walk when you go out of this place. And if we're going to have a testimony of who like Christian is, it ought to be people touching people, real people, everyday people. Going through the same things everybody else goes through. Except we got a little clue about how we can make it. We can make it with the Lord and those that, people, that God puts around us. Knowing how to care for people. You know, the way God cares for us. And God cares for people through people. Helpful. You know, let's go back and revisit this story just a little bit. Here's some things that I noticed. It says, but a Samaritan, as he traveled... Let me tell you something. You don't have to schedule a specific day of the week, a Saturday of the month to go out and say, okay, we're going to go out here in the community and we're going to do such. And you don't have to schedule a program. Now, I'm not saying that that's bad. That's okay. But people, if it can't be every day, how's it going to be once a month, once a quarter, once a year? Come on, amen. Amen. Somebody's saying oh, amen. Somebody's saying oh me. <laughs> you see, if it's not how we travel... How you travel? Where you go every day? You got your little routine, you stop by the Starbucks, you go on through, get whatever, and or your little convenience store, and get your gas, get your whatever, and, and then on to work, and you pass through that. Sometimes we get so locked in with our own little route and we pass by people every day, but we don't become thoughtful or observant or understanding or compassionate. And so if we can't be there, we're not even gonna be helpful. And we just go about our own business. And we are no better than the priest or the Levite that just passes by. Because we don't know. You know, here you sit down at work, and maybe your coworker is going through a horrible experience in relationship that her child is, has, her teenage Daughter is, is, you know, is pregnant and, and is rebellious and doesn't want to have anything to do with her. And she's hurting inside but puts on a good front. Do you care? Hmm. You might say, well, that's what she deserves, you know. She should have raised that kid better. Oh, yeah? Let me tell you something. There's a lot of good parents out there that their kids turn out different. Let me tell you one in particular, God. He did everything he could for his kids, gave them a great place to live, spent time with them, walked with them in the evening, gave everything they needed, and the first chance they got, they rebelled. And he had to kick them out. And they didn't come back. That was pretty amazing. They kicked them out, they didn't come back. Don't blame that that parent that's hurting and broken. Help them out. Maybe they did do something wrong, but so what? Help them out. Maybe that convenience store, maybe that Starbucks worker or whatever, you know, where you go get your coffee every day, and it's just this little exchange, and it's pleasantries and whatever, and you take no concern about looking a little deeper, just a little bit deeper, to see that maybe they're hurting in some particular way. Can we be just a little more observant to touch someone? We got our routines. It's like we get this little space suit on, you know and so we have our own environment so that we can walk out of church into a hostile, hostile environment but yet we survive in our own little atmosphere and we never we're not really touched by all this other stuff out there because we're insulated from it in some particular way and we just go about our business till we can get back into the spaceship and get resupplied and go back out that's survival christianity People, I want to tell you something. We need to be productive Christians. You want to touch somebody? You want to see a life changed? The greatest thing that we can do on the face of the earth is touch somebody else right where they are. You'll change their life forever. They'll say, man, I remember when this was going on or this, that was going on in my life when it seemed like that I just couldn't, I didn't know where to go, I didn't know what to do next, and this person... Came by. They came, and it was it was just the same routine. As he traveled, watch your routines. Look around you and see who's who's by you. says, so as he traveled, came where the man was. Come on. Get, get brave enough to step into somebody else's mess. Jump in the water when somebody falls in there. Don't leave them to drown. Be ready. To get into somebody's mess. He came where the man was. Now, he could have said, man, I got, a, I got that appointment in 15 minutes. Oh, there's nobody else around. I, I, can't, I can't do this right now. No cell service out there on the road to Jericho going down. <laughs> they couldn't call nobody. You know? It was him. He came to where the man was. That's being helpful. Go where they are. We always want to say, oh, come, 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 come. You know, and in fact, even, oh, come to church, come to church, come to church. Why, why don't you get the, the first part of the commission? Go! Go into all the world. Sure, we want people to come, and we're to t- invite people to come and to see their life changed and developed so that they can also do the great commandment, which is to go! Go into all the world! I don't think people want to come until they see somebody going. And who are they going to see? You! on your little routine as you travel. He came to where he was. And when he saw him, he saw him, he looked, he saw him. You're passing by people every day and you don't see him. You don't see him. Why? Because we don't want to look. Come on, isn't it true? See, the, even the, the weather helped me out. If you gonna praise him, the rocks will cry out and the raindrops will give a thunderous applaud. He saw him, see that person, see their needs, see a need and meet it, find a hurt and heal it. You want some satisfaction? You want to lay down at night, maybe war <laughs> or whatever, but and have some satisfaction. Like, you know what, that helped that person. That helped that person. You might not ever see him again, unless until you see him in heaven. But will you come to where they are and really see them? He saw him and he took pity on him. He had that fellow feelings. He felt what he felt. The man was left there to die. No help at all. He took pity on him. He did something. He took pity on him. Can you say, you know what? If nobody else is going to help, I'll help. Took pity on him. And it says he went to him and then he bandaged up his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, took care of him or took him to the end and he took care of him. I read a story one time back in the 1800s in England, the river Thames uh, on the river Thames there, they had these um, ships that were for day trips and they uh, would just take people to various parts and do what they needed to do. Well, on this one occasion, this, uh, boat was loaded with over 700 people. It was in the middle of it. It was late at night, dark. Some fog had come across the river, and as they were going, there was some miscommunication back in the 1800s, and they were hit by another vessel, and it completely, man, when it penetrated, it cracked that ship, and it went down within five minutes. 700 people on board. In reading the story, said that they had just dumped a lot of the pollution that they had there in the the city of London into that river, polluted water with sewage and everything else, and people were dying. A man on the bank, he looked, he heard the situation and couldn't really see very well, but he heard the screams and the cries. He grabbed what he could... He grabbed a a little rowboat there on the side, and he rowed out as far as he could, and he began to see people in the water struggling. And he grabbed them, and he put them in the boat. He filled up his boat, and it was just about to take on water. He's rowing, and he hear the cries, Save me, help me, help me! And there's no more room. And he cries out, and they heard him cry out, Oh, God, for a bigger boat! Now, he cared, and he was helping somebody. But that's the way we ought to feel. I can't even do enough. God, for a bigger boat. Oh, God, for a bigger boat. And, you know, I think that there was just like 180-some people that were that actually survived that out of 700 people. This man made numerous trips back as much as he could until there was no one else left alive. But rather than celebrate with the feeling of a hero, he lived with regret that he couldn't rescue more. Let me tell you something, people. There are people all around us that are drowning, dying, if you will, in the chaos of this world that we live in. And nobody seems to care. Maybe one person with a little boat I want to tell you something. Maybe, see, he could have got mad. He could have grown weary in, in well-doing and just stopped and said, oh, I can't row another. You know, I mean, can you imagine the intensity of that? Even filling that boat full of people and then trying to row. I'm sure he could have just said, I'm exhausted. But he didn't give up. He didn't quit. Wow. There's people around us that need us, that need our touch. To impact them. To see where they are. To come to where they are. And to be helpful. To be helpful to them. And Jesus, at the end of the story, he said this go and do likewise. And that's what I hear today. Go and do likewise. Unless someone like you cares a whole awful lot, nothing is going to get better. It's not. Let's bow our heads. Let me ask you this question. Do you care? That word means the inclination to do something. Jesus said, go and do likewise. Go and touch your world. As we pray, I want you to pray and ask God to lay on your heart just one person. Just one person who you might could touch. Chances are they're there right now. They're there right now. Maybe we just haven't been sensitive enough to their need. It's tough, isn't it? It'd be easier for you to give $1,000 in the offering than it would be to do what I'm asking you to do right now, to get involved in somebody's mess. See, because that costs you something more than money. It costs our life. Jesus said, no, greater love hath no man than this, that he would lay down his life for his friend. Lay down his life, his schedule, his plans. Set that aside. Be like that man that was, as he traveled, this happened. And you see, it wasn't a lifelong thing. He came back, after his trip, he came back, and he was going to see, did, did he need anything else? I'm going to help take care of it and he helped take care of it and he went on his way see it's a series of helping people touching people people touching people you might forget it but they never will i've had people come up to me and say hey you remember when and i go like i'm thinking "Ooh, what do i say i don't want that person to think that it was an insignificant thing in my life but i really don't recall that i don't i don't remember intentionally Trying to do something. See, it ought to be such a natural thing to us that it just happens. I think heaven's going to be about people coming up and saying, Hey, there you are. I've been looking for you. Thank you so much for caring for me in that time of my life that turned my life around. Things changed. What's my desire as a pastor? I I go to conferences and stuff and pastors talk about wanting a bigger building, looking so pretty, this and that or whatever. You know what my desire is? To have a church full of people that know how to touch people. Now you see, that has no social status at all. There are billionaires sitting in there penthouse office suites that are broken and bankrupt emotionally and they need somebody to touch them just as much as the homeless person under the bridge so it doesn't matter it's on our journey be ready because somewhere on your journey you're going to come across someone that if you're thoughtful if you're observing if you're understanding if you're compassionate you're going to be helpful to them you're going to touch their life We were in Mombasa, Africa, had come from Nairobi down that way, and we were working establishing a church and and doing some clinics and stuff down there. And we got a call from the vice president of Kenya. My mother has been hospitalized. She's not expected to live. She's had a severe stroke as well. Will you come and pray for her? Hmm. How are we going to get back there at this time? We said, sure. We jumped on a plane from Mombasa, flew into Nairobi. They met us. We went to that hospital room. Never right, Sandy. Went up. Here's security guards around with the vice president of Kenya. And he saw us and he came I and he said, Thank you for coming. Thank you for coming. I don't know what we're gonna do. And we prayed with him, walked in to his mom, and had prayer with her. And I'm thinking, wait, what's up with this? You know why we have favor in Africa? Why well, we have 24 churches across that nation? Because when we went, we went to be helpful. We went to touch people. We started doing clinics. We were in the bush outlining area, and this one man, through a translator, as I was sitting there talking to him and sharing some different things, he said, I asked if anybody had any questions. He raises his hand and he's looking real stern. He says, Why did you come? I'm going, Oh, uh oh. I said, Well, because God told us to come. But why did you come here? Because we felt like the Lord wanted us to come here. But nobody comes here. Everybody always goes to Nairobi or these other places, and they have these big crusades, and then they leave, and you never see them. Why did you come here? I said, because God told us to come here. He got saved. So did several other people. I haven't seen him again. A young boy came up to me. He's about 13 years old had tears in his eyes and he says I'm giving my life to Jesus today and he says I want to be someone that helps somebody he says I think I want to be a doctor I think God wants me to be a doctor I said then you can be a doctor and we prayed with him and he says because you gave me hope today I believe I can do that I believe he's probably serving in the medical profession somewhere in Africa doing what we couldn't do through clinics You go to touch someone, you go to be, just to be the representative of the Lord Jesus Christ. Is there a higher calling on the face of the earth? I don't think so. He's wanted us to go touch our world. One person. Think of one person. Just one person. That you could touch. That you could impact. It might not be much. Sometimes it doesn't take a whole lot just something that shows that you care and that you're available that you're available father as we are in your presence we want to be your hands extended we want to have your heart of compassion your feet that are quick to go and help Lord, we don't want to just play church. We don't want some country club membership, so to speak. We're signing up for the full deal here. When we walk out these doors, that's when we go to work. That's our mission field. And we go to be representatives of the Lord Jesus Christ. Give us someone to touch. Lord, let our cry at night, be for a bigger boat. Jesus, when you looked at this world, you said the harvest is great, but the laborers are few. That was your way of saying, we need a bigger boat. There's too many, the harvest is bigger than what our boat is. There's more people than what we can handle. You said, pray that the Lord of the harvest would send forth laborers into the field. Father, today I'm praying that you would send forth laborers into this field. That each one of us would go and we would do our part to be people touching people. Let us be mindful of that simple little statement. Unless someone like you cares a whole awful lot, nothing is going to get better. It's not. With our heads bowed and our eyes closed, let me ask you today, the first thing we can do to help you is to make sure that you are a child of God. To make sure that you know that you know that you know that when this life is over that you're going to spend eternity with the creator of the universe who gave his only son to die to pay the price for our sin. If you're not sure that you're a A child of God, if you're not sure that you're going to spend eternity in heaven, will you just raise your hand right where you are and say, Pastor, will you pray for me? Because I'm really not sure. I've got, I'm uncertain. I don't like to think about death and dying because I'm not sure where I'm going to spend eternity. Is that you today? If it is, just just raise your hand right where you are. We want to pray for you. Looks like we have a church full of Christians. Wow. That's too bad. <laughs> and good news and bad news. Everybody saved. Bad news, man. Lord, for a bigger boat, because there's people out there that are lost and dying. So, do you have your person that God's going to send you to? I'm praying that you have opportunity. Will you stand with me this morning? Let me pray. I want to release a blessing upon you today. I'm excited. I'm excited that we got a church full of missionaries right here that's about to walk out this door on the mission field and be observant, be thoughtful, be observant, be understanding, be compassionate, be helpful. Amen. You got all that down? We're going to be people touching people. And, boy, whenever somebody asks me who I am and I tell them Pastor Paul Golden and what church like, Christians? oh, I know so-and-so in that church, man, they really helped me last night i about scared this young couple bless their hearts i really shocked them we'd been at uh, we had gone down to the, the long star rally and we we're on our harleys and we came back by and we stopped at a taco Cab- taco cabana and take something to eat and i got my hat on and my my Protective glasses up there and and my harley boots on and it may have been hot i mean we look pretty ragged anyway you know we've been out all day and and so i'm getting stuff at that little bar where you put the picante sauce in and everything and and i heard this guy behind me and he was a nice looking black man about this i had his little baby in his arm he says uh he saw my shirt i guess it said it was a Sturgis shirt or something he says have you been down at gal are you going to Gallison? i said oh yeah we well, been, we were there. He goes, are you already coming back? I said, yeah. I said, well, we live in Alvin, so, you know, we're not so far away. He goes, oh, well, are you going back tomorrow? And I go, oh, no, I got to preach tomorrow. And his wife was standing there. I said, I'm a pastor. I pastor a <laughs> church. And they go, oh, really? <laughs> and I mean, their eyes got about that big, you know. So I'm like, okay, what's up here? You know what? People might not think, they might not know who you are, what you do. That, they shouldn't. They ought to just know that you're there in their world and help them out. Uh, Wonderful opportunities, amen. You might scare somebody, but you know what? I'm proud of you. (laughs) I'm proud of you. Lord, I just release a blessing upon this people today. Thank you for your calling upon our life. Father, make them evangelists, real evangelists today. Father, not with a program, but with a passion. And it's not how much we know, it's how much we care. And you will take care of it, all the rest of it. And Father, that each person here would find a pathway into someone's life where they can touch them. And that that person can give glory and honor to you. That their life will be impacted in, for eternity. So, Father, let your anointing be upon each person here today. Father, direct our steps in our path. In Jesus' name.